so good to see you. You are all so welcome. Praise God. And again, welcome to everyone watching on YouTube, listening on podcasts, or watching on Facebook or Instagram. Live or catch up. It's great to have you. It is brilliant to be here with the people of God and start to thank Hallelujah. It is three years last night since we were able to gather as a community and celebrate the new year. And I want to give testimony to something because the pandemic impacted every life here to some degree. Would you agree with that? Even if you hated it or you weren't sure what it was, whether it was lockdowns, government restrictions, whatever, it impacted everyone. And at the beginning of it, there was a lot of fear, even here. But we need to give testimony. I want to speak into that fear. Not one person in this church ended up in hospital with COVID. And not one person died. Yeah, loads of people got it and had flu-like symptoms, but you know, wherever you stand on the spectrum of what happened over the last couple of years, we need to remember the world was full of fear. I'm not saying we're specially protected or we're super magic or anything like that. I'm just saying there was a load of fear. Thank God. Hallelujah. So we give God the glory. Amen. playing on the screen is simply a guy who was looking both ways. He's a bit weird, as um, he's bald, uh, most bald men, what can I say? But uh, I want to talk about looking both ways because this is the one time of the year where we reflect on what's just gone and we're looking forward to where we're going. It's a pivotal time. The earth rotates every 365 days or so, and that's why God has instituted a new season, a new day, a new year for you and for me. It's not just some silly tradition, it's based on fact and on science as well. So I want to look at, looking at the new year, what month are we in? Well, if you look at January, the name January comes from a guy called Janus. Janus was a small G god. He was a very popular god. The people of the Bible times in the New Testament, those who lived in Corinth and Philippi and Rome and Caesarea and all these places, would have known there would have been a temple to this guy Janus all over the Roman Empire. And he was a god who had two faces. He looked to the past and he looked to the future. And while that was just paganism, and that's where the month January gets its name, there is a degree of wisdom as well in human history that we should take and we should look at it through the lens of God's word, the Bible. And that's what I want to do today. So we're going to look uh, at the prophet Haggai. It's one of the lesser known books in the Old Testament. And not a lot of people uh, have read this book. But I really believe God wants to speak today on it. I believe what I'm going to share today is prophetic. I'm going to look at Haggai 2 and take just three verses. 
this began for me last September. You know when I go on holidays, uh, one of the things that I love to do is just work with my hands with soil. I love working gardens and digging and planting and all of that. And I blank out. And then something happens to me, maybe a week into it, uh, I just sit before God and I get loads of ideas and thoughts and burdens and uh, dreams, if you will. And one of the words that I got last September on holidays was this word. So I've been brewing this for, what's that, four months. This isn't just something I thought up last night. This is something that's been brewing for ages. I could bring in one of my notebooks, my journals, and show you pages and pages I've written about this. So I've taken all of that and I've condensed it down as best I could into, I hope, a bite-sized word that you can take something home with you from today. So I said it to the congregation last night and I say it again here today. If you are listening, let's hear what the Spirit wants to say to the church. This comes again and again in the Bible. He or she who has ears, let them hear. Spiritual ears. Some of you here today, your minds are closed. Your heart is hard. Can I appeal to you and encourage you? Open your mind. Let God soften your heart. Forget about me. Forget about us. This is you and God. He wants to speak to you. So the context of what we're going to look at today is when the people of God, the Israelites, 70 or so years earlier, they had been, because they really messed up, they went hard, they closed their minds and hearts against God. God judged them. God is not just a God of love, he's a God to be feared. We'll say amen. amen. So you don't play games with God. Because if you play games with God, you're just bringing trouble into your door, into your life. And the people of God had done that, and the judgment was the whole nation was sent into exile in Babylon. And they settled there, far away from the land where God wanted them to be. This is spiritual for us. And then God opened doors, you can read about it in the Bible, and the very first wave of Israelites, or Jews, came from Babylon back to Jerusalem, back to Israel, and they found the place in ruins. Some of us here today are looking at ruins, ruined relationships, ruined careers, ruined health, a ruined or a broken heart, but God is the God who takes the ruins and you bring something beautiful out of them. That's the God of the Bible. If all you see in your life is ruins, have faith. Maybe God will speak to you today through his living word. The very first wave of the people who came back were led by a man called Ezra. There's a whole book in the Bible about it. And with him came a prophet Haggai and another guy called Zerubbabel, who was the governor. And these three guys led a whole load of people who came back to the ruined city of Jerusalem. They were called to rebuild the temple, not to be confused with Nehemiah, another book in the Old Testament. They were the second wave who came out of Babylon, which is in Iraq today. And they came back and they built the walls of Jerusalem. But first, these guys built the temple. And many of us would look on and we go, what are you doing building the temple, man? 
You should build the walls first. There's a whole lot of enemies around. Build the walls, then build the temple. But you see, you and I are born again into an upside-down kingdom because we seek first what? And his And then all the other things will what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other things will be added to you. So they built the temple first, and guess what? God protected it. And then the next guys came and built the walls. You see, we need to know our calling in life. I know God has called me to be a pastor, yet I'm not a worship leader. And I'm jealous of Michael, because he can do both. <laughs> I'm not called to lead kids' work. There's lots of things I'm not called to do. We need to know what has God called you to do, and what has he called you not to do. And there's a wisdom in that. So these guys that we're going to read about knew they were just called to build the temple. God would raise up someone else to build the walls. Sometimes people put an unfair expectation on Christian churches and they expect us to do everything. Particularly in a pioneer culture like the south of Ireland. They expect us to be like, I don't know, Alabama or somewhere. In the Bible Belt where everyone and his dog is born again. Why can't you do all these things? You know what? The ground we are living on is pioneer ground. This is new territory. What's the most important thing you can tell anyone for the new year? It's that, exactly, the good news, that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That if you share Jesus, they can be born again and God can give them both. That's the best gift we can give anyone. Praise God for all the good works and the charity. But the number one, the number one is the kingdom of God. Amen? So we are called, you are called, I am called to build a temple. Someone else is going to do the walls, but we're called to build the temple first. So they came back and Haggai the prophet started prophesying. So I pray now, God, your word would be alive as we read it today in Jesus' name. The word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. For Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah. Do you remember the old temple and how it seemed like nothing? So now be strong, Zerubbabel, and all you people. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. I promised you this when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit is with you to this day. Do not be afraid. How about we all declare that into the new year? Count of truth. One, two, three. Do not be afraid. Half of you are into it and half of you aren't into it. You know what? I can see everyone here. We all have to be into this. To get it, to make it work. Let's do it with a bit of passion at the count of three. But you're speaking for yourself. For bad news that might come this year. It might be bad news, but God has got it. He's got your back. Let's speak into the new year. One, two, three. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. In a little while I will shake all the nations, but I will fill this house with glory. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, and the glory of the new house will be greater than the glory of the old house, says the Lord. And in this place, I will give you peace. Hallelujah. Amen. 
What does this mean for our lives this new year? He begins and he says, do you remember the old temple and how it seemed like nothing? So the physical temple was being was built, but it had been destroyed. They were building a new temple. 2022 is gone forever. You and I will never live in 2022 again. But God is doing something new for the new year. And we've heard some of that. We've got glimpses into that. It's a bit like, do you remember this past year? We started the year wearing masks. People were afraid of this new variant that was going to kill everyone and all of this. And, and you know what? God did that. God did that. People couldn't go to work. Businesses were closed down. But we ended the year unbelievable after everything when we started it. And we have faith for the new year. What does it mean, the temple? And how does that apply to your life? Just going to do a few minutes of teaching. Are you up for that? Okay, you are in a church. Amen? Amen. What are them? I'm calling it the four temples. The people of God began with a temple, to use that word broadly, with the tabernacle of this call. You can read about it in Exodus 25. It was like a big tent, a marquee. And in it was the Ark of the Covenant, and that was the presence of God. Yeah, there was the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, different things like that. But really, it was an intense sense that God was in the room. So much so, that now and again, when people tried to touch it, they were killed dead. God doesn't kill people dead. Yeah, sometimes he does. He does. They, they tried, they weren't showing respect to God. They were playing games, and God struck them down. And this isn't to put fear to us, but it's to put an awe, a healthy respect for God. So, the tabernacle, why was it in a tent? Because the people of God were moving around. And it's a bit like our lives. For example, when you're young, you, you tend to move around job or study, maybe relationships a bit. But then there comes a time when you need to be established. And that's what happened with Solomon's temple, 1 Chronicles 29. Many of you know the story. David, the great king, said, Why am I living in a beautiful house and God is in a tent? I'm going to build a house for God. And the Lord said, No, you're not. You gather the materials, but your son Solomon will build it. And so Solomon built a beautiful temple, even though we just read... The old temple is nothing compared to the new temple. When the judgment of God came upon the people of Israel, what we read is that they destroyed the temple, the Babylonians. They destroyed it, demolished it. It was in ruins and for 70 years, nothing. But then Zerubbabel, we just read about it, built a new temple. Sometimes it's also known as Herod's temple, but Herod simply extended Zerubbabel's temple and he uh, made it better. But it was the same building, and it's this building that Jesus Christ, when he was eight days old, he was brought into the temple to be dedicated. Simon and uh, Anna, the prophets, came and prophesied over him. It was here where he met with his disciples, where he prayed and he wept, where he overturned the tables of the moneylenders. This is the building that Jesus knew. So when we're reading about this new building, it's the building Jesus knew. And it was in this building in the Holy of Holies that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And it was on the steps 
the southern steps of this temple that the 120 believers in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak with new tongues, that they came out of and they flew, poured out of that place and they preached the gospel in every language in Jerusalem and people heard in their own language the good news of Jesus. So that's this building. But there's a fourth temple. And that fourth temple, Peter calls it the living stones. That's you and me. Everyone who loves the Lord, who is born again. We are the living stones. God no longer dwells in buildings made with human hands. Where does God dwell today? In people's hearts. If you invite him in. If you don't invite him in, he doesn't live in you. Some people say we're all God's children. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be So you got to call on him. Amen? Amen? If you've never called on the name of the Lord, what a wonderful day. Michael was saying, imagine, was it last night? Imagine this time, 12 months time. Imagine this day, 12 months time. And you say, I am one year a Christian today. This day, a year ago, I called on the Lord. He saved my soul. Hallelujah. We are the temple today. We are the living stones. So when God does something new, He's doing it with us. It's not about a building anymore. It's about the community. It's about the people. That's why Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that together, you, the believers, are God's holy temple, and His Spirit lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys His temple. Anyone who comes up against the people of God is coming up against the apple of God's eye. Can I get an amen? Amen. It goes on and he says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Your own body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. That means your body, my body, our body is a temple. So let's not abuse our bodies. Let's say no to addiction. Who say no to addiction? Yeah? Let's say no to suicide. Who'll say no to that? Let's say no to destructive behavior, to self-harm. Let's say no to messing up our heads, messing up our hearts, messing up our bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we need to look after our bodies, not be obsessed with them, but look after our bodies as best we can. So, we're the temple today, not just people in this church, all believers, whatever church you're in. So what does he say? He says, so now, be strong, Zerubbabel, and all you people, declares the Lord. This is what God is saying to us prophetically. As you and I face into the new year of 23, be strong. Don't see yourself as a weakling. So many people, their heads are messed up. Sometimes by parents, sometimes by the education system, sometimes by rejection of someone who got into a place of manipulation and messed with your head and played mind games with you. Mm -mm. You're a child of God. You are the head and not the tail. Be strong. Who'll say amen? Face the year with a bit of faith and a bit of courage. Be strong. If God is for me, 
to not be afraid. Again and again and again in the Bible, we read, do not be afraid. So if you have fear as you face into the new year, can I challenge you with the deepest of respect? Repent. Repent of being afraid. Because God is because Anneli says, I am with you, declares the Lord. I even promised you this when you came out of Egypt. Egypt for us is, is when, we're, when we come to know the Lord, when we're born again. It's like Egypt is the old life when we cross over into the new life. And God is saying he is with us. And if God is with us, we should embrace this new year enthusiastically. Let me show you a little example. Michael, you're going to help me in this. Um, I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but how you greet someone is very indicative. You need to come to my left hand and the right, okay? And the right. So, you can come in, and I don't know if you know the cork way, maybe it's universal, I have no idea. But sometimes you see someone, and you won't exactly greet them, you just kind of do the eyebrow. Do you ever see that? Yeah. You get that a lot in Ireland. It's like, especially among guys, you don't want to be too kind of um, out there, so you kind of just go. <laughs> so you can go into the new year just doing that, okay? Bigger fool you. Maybe you can go into the new year and you give what I call the dead fish handshake. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're too far, no, <laughs> And I really like you. Do you want to face the new year with it? Nobody likes getting a dead fish handshake. Perhaps we can go into the new year with a firm handshake. Oh my God! With a firm handshake. We come into the new year and we say, Yes, I'm with you. Or we can come into the new year. I don't know if you know it, but my mum and dad were from West Cork in the country. And even though I grew up in the city, we kind of had rural country values in our home. And what I noticed is, people from a rural background, if they really want to make you feel welcome, if they really want to show you that you're important or they care for you, they'll actually shake hands with both their hands. I'm going to put this down like this. So you do it like that. You are so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a little tell. Um, I was going up last night and I preached this to the congregation last night and they all said, Are you going to shake my hands with both your hands or only with one? So I'm not allowed to shake hands with one hand anymore. So we can go into the new year that way. Or we can go into the new year with all our hearts, with courage, with faith. And you can go, It's great to see Hallelujah. So how are you going to go into the new year? Full of fear or full of faith? I know what I'm going to choose. Because I became a Christian in 1980. I'm around the world. And when I go into a new year with faith in my heart, God has never let me down. When I go into the new year full of fear, you know what? It keeps creeping. It chases me. I would rather be chased by the goodness of God and chased by the fear of man. The fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. Are you afraid of your boss? Are you afraid of the government? Are you afraid of the doctor or whoever it is? The bank manager. Fear God. Don't fear man. Amen? Amen.
I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. <coughs> glory, the presence of God that melts your heart. Where you begin to think of things eternal and not just the things of time. And God is saying to some of us here, I will fill your house with glory. Do you want your house filled with the glory of God? So that when a visitor comes in, they go, whoa. Do you know the way you can go into a room and you just pick up on atmospheres? It's a dead atmosphere, it's a cold atmosphere. I want people to come into my house. I want people to come into this church feeling, you know what? There's glory here. Hallelujah. Do you want glory in your house? Let's pray. Just where we are. If you want glory in your house, just stand. If you don't, that's fine. No problem. Lift up your hands in the name of Jesus into our houses for the new year. Would your glory enter in? Let our homes, our apartments be filled with the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can sit down again. There's an old car custom that I grew up with here in the city. And it's around Ireland. And at New Year, you would open your front door and uh, the youngest in the household would get a loaf of bread and you would throw the bread from the front garden through the front door. And it was an old tradition so that there would never be hunger in the house for the new year. Well, what you and I have just done, we have opened our front doors and we've said, bring the glory in let this year be a year of glory in my house. He goes on and he says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord Almighty. Do you really think it's your boss who gives you the money? Yeah, God uses him. But the Lord is the one who provides. Your employer, your social welfare officer, whoever it is, your partner, God is just using them to give you and me what we need. Hallelujah. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh, saying, The Lord is my provider. I attempted to sing that old song, Jehovah Jireh, last night. And Michael said, You missed the best part. I actually had the words up, but I said, No one will sing with me. Come on, come who knows this song? Anyone know it? If you know the song, stand. And if you stand, you gotta sing along. <laughs> no, Michael, we're not Jews, we're Christians. Okay, give us a key. One, two, three. Jehovah Jireh, my provider is sufficient for me. Heating oil, the cost of food, Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Amen. 
pray that into your finances for the new year. Honor God and he'll honor you. Amen. Amen. The glory of the new house will be greater than the glory of the old house. This is what God put on my heart last September. And I believe prophetically God is saying, however good last year was, and you know Solomon's temple was a beautiful thing. But Zerubbabel's temple was even more beautiful. Whatever goodness we've seen last year, prophetically, I prophesy, God is saying to so many here, the new year will be even better. The new year will be better in our marriages. He'll say amen. The new year will be better in our love with our children. Anyone say amen? And with our parents and our brothers and sisters. And with our friends. Hallelujah. The new year will be better, I believe, with so many people's health. Glory to God. and trenched for generations will be cast out in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. The glory of the new house will be greater than the old house. Yeah. And that's this new year of 2022. Hallelujah. I believe it. I prophesy it. Yeah. In this place, I will give you peace. Some of us here have come in and our minds are not at peace. I've been there myself as a Christian. Some of us here, and our hearts are not in peace. We've got turmoil in relationships. Some of us here have turmoil in our lives. We need to believe that in this place, God will give us peace. So that you walk out the door. Because when you and I walk out the door soon, we're facing a whole new year. Let's go with peace in our hearts and minds. I'm going to pray in a moment that God will give those who need peace in their mental health or their emotional health, that God will give you that. I'm going to pray that God will be your Jehovah Jireh, that whatever financial challenge you're facing, that God will meet your needs. He won't meet your greeds, but he will meet your needs. Who will say amen. Why? Because Jesus is the rescuer. And do you know what he does? He rescues people. In April 1980, God rescued this poor man. And I have been thanking him ever since. If you've never been rescued by Jesus, maybe you have and your heart has gone cold. Hear me, hear me. Don't walk out that door and go through a cold-hearted year with God. Life is short. It really is. Let God warm your heart this year. So we're going to pray that God will rescue those who need rescuing in all these different ways. So as we look both ways, let's look to the future now and let's pray the rescuer will walk. Again.